Live from the Xfinity Studios at WVON. We're your original social media. The Talk of Chicago, 1690 WVON. for a minute so I thank you for joining me this uh this evening I tell you what I did something that I said I would not do well not that I don't do it because I do you know I try to stay on top of things uh I don't make it a part of the show but I do pay attention to what's going on especially what's going on with this uh this administration if that's what you can call it but isn't it crazy um have you been paying attention to these hearings and all of the mess that's happening? But you know something we always say, okay, this is going to, you know, this is going to end this uh this road trip that's been happening in the White House in DC. But for some reason, some kind of way, uh it always seems to work itself out and you know, everything gets smoothed over just long enough till the next time. But uh but I'm hoping that uh, that uh, we can put an end to this craziness. So, but that's the most attention that I'm going to give that. So, how are you? How was your week? It's Thursday, Thursday evening. So you know we're shifting into the weekend. We go into Friday, and we hope that you have a happy weekend. You've got a lot of great things planned. Um, and as always, you know what we say: just take a breath. I love to do that because through the day you're just doing so much and, you know, nine o'clock, everyone is winding down. You hopefully turn on your radio, you turn on your, uh, you know, you pull up your uh, uh, website and you listen to us. But, you know, but, you know, at the same time, we are working. So in order to make sure that we stay on point, you know, you take sometimes you just need to take a breath and then shift into the late shift. Thank you for hanging with me today. Um. Yeah, so this is the last show for the month of September, right? I believe so. This is the last week. Okay, all right. So we're going to get into October. October. It's October already. This year has just really just has has flown by. So before we know it, we'll be doing a New Year's show. Um, But, yeah, October. So you know what happens. All of the holidays start pulling up between, I don't know if you consider Halloween a holiday. Some people do. Some people don't. But before next then it's thanksgiving and then christmas new year's and hanukkah and and uh kwanzaa and everything else in between but before we get there we have to finish september so 
If you've been listening this month, you know, we've been discussing the politics of American, the American prison system and just some of the institutions that support the prison pipeline. We had a chance to talk to so many guests this month. I really appreciate them and and, um, a lot of great information. Uh, And it's not just information for information's sake, but something to really think about because, uh, you know, it's just just something needs to be done. And I know there are a lot of people that are out there doing a lot of great things to try to stem and turn the tide. Um, You know, and the more we do and the more we know and the more we reset our thinking to kind of head these things off at the path, uh, hopefully we can begin to see um, improvement. So I know we've discussed school systems, justice system, law enforcement, and mainly the economic system. We know that an economic system built on a necessary poor is always going to create the need for uh, a prison system. So just to review this month, we had a chance to speak to April Pryor of Schiller and Pryor Law Office. And um, what I loved about that is that, you know, she discussed, she works a lot with the youth and, um, you know, we see a lot that's going on with our youth, youth getting caught up early in the, um, in the prison pipeline and the revolving door and just some of the cultural uh, habits, some of the cultural triggers that uh, result in uh, our children being caught up. Um, what I love is that she created a game called Trials and Triumphs. So if you haven't had a chance to check it out, uh, the game encourages uh, young people to really look at their behaviors, some of the actions and consequences of those actions, and hopefully to be able to bring and shed some light prior to uh, them falling victim. So that's trials and triumph. And then, of course, the second week we had the the rebroadcast. Third week, which was last week, we had Jessica Oliver and LaShawn Jackson, the founder of Innovations High School. They're doing something different. They're they're, uh, incorporating learning with the arts. So it's not just, um, you know, when I think about that, I always think about the the show Fame. Uh, You know, I don't know how many of you remember uh, uh, Fame, where they had the dancing and the other arts that went along with the learning. And it was real creative. And, you know, a lot of our public school systems are removing a lot of the arts from their, um, their academics and their itinerary. And so it's good to see the way innovations is incorporating that and having great success. So there's LaShawn Jackson, who is the founder, and Jessica Oliver, who is one of the school partners and resource manager. Now, LaShawn, I think this was last week we had them on, and I know we were talking about the vegan shrimp that he also, in all that he does, because the school has been around for 18 years in the Chicago area, so check them out. Um, but vegan shrimp. So I said I was going to make sure I make my way out there. I am going to make my way out there, and I'll come back and I'll let you know uh, what it tastes like. He says it tastes exactly like shrimp. So we will find out. Um, also on the show, show was um, Celia Colon. You have to put that accent in there, Colon. And um, 
Miss Celia Cologne was with the a client advocate with the bail project, trying to do bail differently, getting rid of the cash bail. Okay, and um, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing because we have so many folks who are behind bars, lives being destroyed because of not having access to the resource. Uh, readily available cash and sitting behind bars while at the same time the rest of their life is uh is being torn apart because of something as simple as not having and you know we say it you know 200 300 like that's just um you know everybody has that but the reality is if we think about sandra bland what was that 500 dollars uh, she um, had a bail of 500 so she was trying to put together $500 when, you know, unfortunately um, she was met with, um, with what happened to her a few years ago. So cash bail is a serious issue for a lot of folks out there, and it is uh, destroying lives. So Miss um, Colleon is one of those. Cologne, I should say Cologne, not Colleon. Colleon is the Colleon family. That's a whole nother that's a whole nother story. So um, so that was good, good to have him on. And we also had Mr. Albert Woodfox who called in. And remember, Mr. Woodfox is the gentleman who was one of the three of the Angola three who were convicted of the murder of a um, security guard uh, in Angola prison and was then uh, sentenced to... Uh, 44 years in solitary confinement and he is just a absolutely beautiful spirit I had the opportunity to attend the book signing at the University of Chicago this was just let's see today's third this was just Tuesday yeah um, so had a chance to meet him I did get the book I'm reading the book it is it is a fabulous read and I'm you know what I'm taking my time reading it. Sometimes I get a book and I just kind of sit down and I go through it, but I just really wanted to take my time uh, to absorb his story. And it's written, even though um, I believe he had a ghostwriter with this. I don't want to, let me not, uh, uh, I just want to make sure that that's correct. Um, it's, it's written in a very basic very basic way you know it's not complicated at all you know sometimes you you know you have uh, a certain writing style and the writer you know the author will take you through these highs and lows and ebbs and flows um but he's just telling the story straight so um and I find that uh um I don't want to say refreshing that's such a old word but it, I, I find it interesting because uh, there's so many things at the beginning of his life that you see, and I think he even says this if you get a chance to hear him speak or if you get a chance to um, listen to one of his interviews. Um, you know, he talks about being set up, you know, that that as African-American, especially as African-American male, that um, your life is set up for you basically to end up in prison. And a lot of which what he speaks about speaks to typical youngster innocence you know fun not recognizing 
you know, the wrongdoing, but it seems fun, and most kids kind of move through it and grow. But for when you're in a certain economic class structure and you're targeted, those things become the reason uh, why you end up in juvenile, whereas the next kid gets the parent, um, you know, the phone call to the parent, parent comes pick him up and everything is good to go. So very interesting read. Um, I've only gone through the third chapter. I just purchased the book on Tuesday and just in between everything else, taking time to read it. It's solitary, unbroken by four decades in solitary confinement. My Story of Transformation and Hope, that's Albert Woodfox, one of the Angola Three. And by the way, I believe that they are in the process of putting together a movie. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. So, so yeah, so we had a very interesting month with a lot of good information. And I hope that in your listening to the information and receiving it, that it is uh, it has an impact um, uh, in your approach in your uh, thinking in what it is and how important uh, it is as we speak and engage with uh, with young people to to really stem this stem this tide we really we really need to see something different and you know it's getting back to what I was talking about as far as this these hearings it's very difficult when you look and you see in sometimes in the highest office of the land. Well, then again, we know what America, the foundation of America, and what most of these institutions were built and and the and the philosophy and the basis by which um, these institutions were built. So, you know, I think it's going to be a, a tearing down of a lot of things and rebuilding um, in order to, to really begin to uh, bend the arc. So um, in continuing with our uh, examining the politics of American prison system and the institutions that support our prison pipeline, uh, we have today Mr. Uh, Sharon Mitchell. He is the director of Illinois Justice uh, Project. And we're going to get a chance to talk to him about a lot of things that are going on. We're kind of just going to wrap up the information, uh, what we've been talking about all month, and look towards some of the projects and um, and uh, plans that the uh, Illinois uh, Justice Project has in place. They're doing a lot of great things. And um, so, you know, we're, we're just going to have a nice chat. We're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we should have Mr., uh, or I should say attorney, Sharon Mitchell here joining us. And, uh, you know, if you want to join the conversation, 312-374-8130, please call in. We're going to be here till midnight, and you know that. So we'll be here till midnight. So when we come back, we'll have attorney Mitchell, and we hope to talk to you also. The Talk of Chicago, 1690 WVON.
right now you know who that is the one and only marvin gave man this song is like the first time i went to a party party you know what i'm saying not like a family party but on your own with your girlfriends party party you know how you take all day to do your hair even though i had a bush but you know you still had to kind of pick it out okay i'm telling you hell um, but that's okay Man, I'm not even going to tell you about this party. Let's just say we had a good time. I mean, but I was a... Nah, anyway, I'm talking too much. Let's get on back to what we're talking about here today. Okay, so we have attorney... Is it Sharon Mitchell? Yes, Sharon Mitchell, yes. Okay, welcome, and thank you so much for um, for joining us. I know you have a long day. That's what happens <laughs> with my guests sometimes. It's like they work all day, and then they, <laughs> they make it here, and I so appreciate it no because problem. they give of their time and, um, and information. No problem. And um, it's just so important what we're talking. So we've been talking this whole month about um, the American prison system and um, institutions that perpetuate and support what we call the prison pipeline. But you are the director at the Illinois Justice Project. Yes, ma'am. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, so we are a small organization that works on criminal justice policy. So we try to change laws. Uh, We work on uh, trying to promote people and programs and policies that can reduce inappropriate incarceration, uh, bring better safety outcomes to our residents of our community, uh, reduce recidivism, uh, and just bring more fairness to the justice system. So uh, we're opportunistic. We try to work in a lot of different areas, a lot of different spaces. We just try to kind of get in where we fit in. Right. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's, it's a blessing to help work for the people and, you know, make the system a better place for folks. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it, it's it's multi-pronged mm-hmm. when you're talking about what the issues are. Yes. And so how – this this is my – this was my thought when, um, when I knew you were coming on and some of the things that I wanted to talk to you about. And when I looked at the, uh, the website, mm-hmm. how do you stay motivated in an environment that seems to just continuously mm-hmm. appear to be like this broken – I mean, just this broken system. And, you know, when we're looking at these hearings and we we see what's happening and the abuse that's happening from so far up, how do you stay motivated to know that there's something can be done? I mean, somebody's got to do it. Um, you know, I, you know, started as a public defender um, working in the Cook County courthouses um, all over the city, but ended mm-hmm. at 26 in California. And what I realized was, you know, I kind of came there. I knew the system was broken. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that if everybody did their job right, the judge and the prosecutor, the defense attorneys, then maybe we would get a good outcome. And what I realized that while people are important, it's really about the policies. When right. things don't turn out right, that's not a mistake. Mm-hmm. That's not a defect. That's what's supposed to happen. So I became really motivated personally to try to change the policies. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm only one person. Our organization is only one uh, group. Um, but we have to have people that are fighting to change these laws. And it will take decades. Right. It took hundreds of years to break this. Mm-hmm. It's going to take hundreds of years to fix it. But you know that's what motivates me to continue to work, even though it seems like such a you know 
tireless Insurmountable. Yeah, yeah, it does. Absolutely <laughs> yeah. does. It does. So when I looked on the site and I saw where, um, well, first of all, crime pays. It says crime doesn't pay, mm-hmm. but crime mm-hmm. pays quite mm-hmm. a bit. Now, there you also pay for it in mm-hmm. the end also, yeah. but um, but I looked and I said imprisonment, it, it's 23400 annually. Per prisoner, is that correct? Yeah, depending on whether we're talking about jail or prison, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're right. It does cost lots of money mm-hmm. to incarcerate. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, there are entire communities that benefit. There are entire professions. Right. There are entire industries. That are built on having a inventory of people. Absolutely. Customers. Right. 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 Customers and commodities. Absolutely. And so many, like, like I think I was, um, this was probably a year or so ago, and um, a, a meeting that I had gone to mm-hmm. that um, the question was, how many people have a child in jail? And so I'm sitting forward. Mm-hmm. But when I happened to turn around, it's like everyone in the section yeah. pretty much had their hand raised. Yeah. They say about one out of three adults in Illinois have some sort of criminal record. Um, if you took the prison population of the state mm-hmm. um, and you made it a city, mm-hmm. it'd be the second largest city wow. in the state of Illinois. Wow. Right? It'd be Chicago. That's crazy. And it'd be the prison population. That's crazy. So it is a far deeper and greater problem mm-hmm. uh, that I think anybody can really imagine unless they really study it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it it's, it's a problem. A major problem. Okay, so one of the uh, programs, uh, the Adult Redeploy mm-hmm. Inception, um, mm-hmm. ARI, mm-hmm. and so comparing incarceration at 23400 versus 4400 is mm-hmm. what you spend per yeah. individual. Absolutely. You know, that program is essentially about, you know, criminal justice is really based upon the counties, right? So each mm-hmm. county runs their criminal justice system. And a county can choose to send somebody to prison, which costs taxpayers thousands and thousands of dollars, or they can choose to treat the root causes and treat the things that are going on with that person. We started off with with kids and adults the same. You know, people, I believe, the vast majority don't want to act out. Mm -hmm. Uh, People are a byproduct of the things that they don't have or the things they haven't been given. Mm -hmm. So we know that it's both cheaper and more effective to treat people in the community instead of sending them off to a prison and then them coming back, being disenfranchised, not being able to get housing, Mm -hmm. not being able to get work, uh, not being able to get education. So that's what that program is about. And that's commendable, but that's for us sitting on this side of the fence, but for the industry that mm-hmm. collects the 23400 mm-hmm. it makes more sense to imprison someone mm-hmm. in order to make that money. So how, you, so wouldn't the issue be in who's, who's collecting? Yeah, so, you know, it's a fight. It's a yeah. fight. Somebody has to lose and somebody has to win. Mm-hmm. And as we reduce this prison population, we have to make it clear that people have to find a new way to make money. Right. There's no doubt about it. Right. And we've been successful um, in reducing the prison population a little bit. We've been successful in reducing the jail population uh, here in Cook County. But you're right. There are people that are fighting. It's, it's not a moral fight to them. It's an economic right. fight. It's economic. Yeah. Right. And, right. And, and, you know, 
that, that's the, the fight that we got to put put on. That's the fight, you know. And now this here, yeah. I was just really baffled and mm-hmm. a little confused. So uh, recidivism is uh, the cost of of it is one hundred and eighteen thousand. So what happens there? Why does it jump so high? Yeah. So recidivism, you know, victimization costs. Oh, okay. You yeah. know, yeah. That, that's yeah. one thing. Yeah. You know, if, if you get your car broken into, okay. You know, you got to pay for insurance. You got to pay for repairs. Um, bringing people back into prison means that you're talking about uh, probation officers and parole officers. You're talking about judges being but involved. Aren't these aren't these jobs? So when you start talking about parole and you start talking about that sort of thing, aren't these jobs? They are jobs, but the fact of the matter is we have so many people in our system. <laughs> like I said, it would be the second largest city in the state. Um, I think the jobs are going to be around for a while. You know? <laughs> you know, I'm good at my job, and we're good at our job, but we ain't that good. Um, so... Uh, yeah, you're, but you're yeah, identifying. Yeah. It, it is. It is a. You know, in the end, you know, we have entire industries and entire that are built communities on prison systems that are built on prison systems. So, you know, part of that is economic. Part of that is figuring mm-hmm. out how these cities. I'm sorry, these towns can 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 find something new, mm-hmm. but they will have to find somebody new if we're going to be liberated. Right. Yeah. A- absolutely. So, um, the uh, Illinois Justice Project is. Uh, see where you're connected with Chicago Community Trust and the Commercial Club. So we had Mr. Daniel Ash on yeah. a little bit ago. So yeah. very, uh, very important because in creating jobs and creating opportunities and in creating uh, uh, businesses is a is a huge part. Yeah, no, there aren't a lot of people that know about the Chicago Community Trust. They're kind mm-hmm. of uh, they're trying to they've been around for a long time, mm-hmm. but they they are certainly growing their name and they're one of our funders. And they help us do our work, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people. We have lobbyists, and a lot of people think about lobbyists. They think about big corporations, right, right, uh, right. paying for lobbyists. You know, paying for votes, paying, or yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And, and we do much more than lobbying. We do a lot of education and media and, and training of officials. But you know, part of that is doing that work as well. And and um, you know, the the trust uh, helps us do all our our work. Mm-hmm. And so uh, in in that, so your relationship with the community trust is they basically fund your work. Yeah, is they are one of our is? funders. We have a number okay. of, 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 of foundations that, mm-hmm. that, that fund our work that are committed to fixing the criminal justice system. And we've got a lot of great foundation, foundations that help us with our work. Okay, so talk to us about the difference between, you know, I see on your site where you have um, youth justice, mm-hmm. juvenile justice, and ju- an adult justice. Yeah, so, you know, people can be charged as adults. Mm-hmm. They can be charged as juveniles. And in our work, it's really been separated in two, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the juvenile justice work is, is about kids mm-hmm. and kids' interaction with the criminal justice system. And advocates have been actually very, very effective at kind of really changing the juvenile justice system. We've reduced the amount of children in prison and in jails, and we've ensured uh, that many of them aren't tried as adults because they aren't adults. Right. The adult system is a little different, right? The mm-hmm. adults aren't as cute. You know? <laughs> so, you know, reforming that system has been a mm-hmm. little bit slower, mm-hmm. but we've traditionally worked in both of those spaces. 
but now dealing with the um, the juveniles, now you're still dealing with the parents. And mm-hmm. so um, how do you incorporate that? Yeah, so mainly our work is about policy, right? Mm-hmm. So we're not a direct services organization. We're not, oh, okay. um, you okay. know, we're not working directly with kids. We're working directly with the law. So oh, okay. we're doing things like ensuring that, you know, all these kids aren't being shoveled into adult court. We're making sure that kids get services, right? That they're just not, you know, out there without the help that they need. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of our work focuses on that. It's focusing on the laws and the actors and not so much the kids directly. The kid, okay, mm-hmm. the program itself. Yeah. So where do you start? So say, for instance, if you're looking to change the uh, the cash bond system, where mm-hmm. do you start? Where do you begin? Well, you do a couple of things. The first thing you need to do is you need to educate the public. Mm-hmm. The fact of the matter is is that the people are in charge of the things that happen in the system. And what I mean by that is they ignore the system, and the system goes on how mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. But if folks really get themselves fired up and talk to their legislators about things, they can get things done. We also work in the media, right? So when there are stories about out there um, about criminal justice issues, we try to influence those stories and talk to people and educate people. We mm-hmm. talk to legislators. Uh, we talk to system actors, right? Folks that are, are in the various departments, whether it be the jail or the state's attorney's office or the public defender's office. We really try to do it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not one thing you can do mm-hmm. uh, to change a law. Um, you've got to kind of go it at it all, all different mm-hmm. sides, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so how long has Illinois Justice Project been? I've been with the project for about three and a half years. Mm-hmm. The Justice Project has been along around a little bit longer than that. Okay. It was a part of a bigger organization, um, and it kind of spun off um, into the Justice Project. So uh, okay. we've been at it for a while. So how effective would you say it is? It's tough, right? It's yeah, tough. It's tough. You know, game. it's tough work. You know, the fact of the matter is, is that a lot of this we have to talk about it. It's crime, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we certainly have communities in our city uh, that have way too much crime. Mm-hmm. But the problem with that is, is that the reaction to that has been jails and prisons and police mm-hmm. instead of investments in communities. Mm-hmm. So one of the biggest things that I think I have to do. Um, every day is educate people on the fact that the way what folks tell you about safety what they feed you is a solution more jails more police Mm -hmm. more sentences is not the way it's going to work we'll always need some of that right Right, right. but if we're just being fed all of that and they're Mm -hmm. telling us that that's our only solution then we're not going to get where we need to go so that's kind of the big thing i deal with and then you also have to deal with once you place these people in this prison system and I think on the site it was saying like 97% comes back Come into back. the community. Yep. So now what are you now injecting back into your society? Yeah, we work on reentry as well. Mm-hmm. We know that right now the system basically steps a red badge on somebody when they walk out of prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, that felony conviction means that they're not going to be able to find work as easy. It means they're not going to be able to find education as easy. It means they're not going to be able to find housing as easy. So a lot of our work tries to turn that around, too. When an individual serves his time or her time, mm-hmm. they need to be able to come back home and be able to provide for their family, provide for themselves, and be a real member of the community except uh, instead of a secondhand citizen. And too often, 
we make uh, folks who come back from incarceration or who have a criminal record secondhand citizens, and it shouldn't be that way. Well, what does what obligation would you have to the uh, existing community to know that you have a felon or know that you have this person in your community? And I guess I would probably be thinking more uh, endangerment of children and things like that, not just you know the typical. Yeah, um, I can definitely understand that, but the fact of the matter is that we criminalize so much, mm-hmm. right? We mm-hmm. criminalize so much mm-hmm. that that person is really one of thousands, right? right? We think of that one dangerous person and we gotta let the community know and that's gonna be understandable. Mm-hmm. But we criminalize so many things right. that there's so many, I mean, one out of three folks have a criminal record, adults have a mm-hmm. criminal record, mm-hmm. right? Millions and millions of people in Illinois have criminal records mm-hmm. and they're stuck with that. So when we wonder why our communities uh, struggle economically mm-hmm. and we think that many of the people, that 97% come back to those same communities, well, we got to put two and two together. Right. Um, so that's the type of work that we try to do. Okay. Okay, well, this is The Late Shift. If you want to join in the conversation, 312-374-8130. We are talking with uh, Attorney Sharon Mitchell of the Illinois Justice Project, and this is really a necessary conversation. It is. Um, and from a, uh, a in-depth to really understand, because when we start looking at our communities and we start talking about why this and why that, mm-hmm. and we think that the blanket answer is just support black businesses, well, it's not as simple as that. Mm-hmm. You know, there are so many underlying currents that are going mm-hmm. on. Um, and as I said at the beginning of the show, it's just multi-pronged that if we don't really begin to dissect and then start piecing it back together, also with the understanding that the foundation of who we are as a country has a lot to do with where we sit now Absolutely. and some of the things that we're dealing with Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You're not lying. You're not lying. I try not to. I I absolutely try not to. You can't really fool yourself. I mean, Mm -hmm. everything is so transparent these days that you just really have to learn to live in a transparent environment. Absolutely. and, and, And allow yourself to learn the truth and then decide how you're going to move forward and how you're going to partake. You know, because a lot of times we want to just sit in our room and look out the window and say them, them there over there. Yes. But it all impacts us in some way, Absolutely. shape or form. So, um, yeah. So, okay. So your program, I was looking at the R3 program. So mm-hmm. that's the restore, uh, reinvest and renew. Mm-hmm. Let's take this call from Madeline and then we'll talk about that. Okay. Okay. Madeline, are you there? Yes, I am here. How are you this evening? I'm wonderful. How about yourself? Doing well, doing well. Do you have a question for us? I have a, uh, yeah, one one part question and then another part is comment. Uh, two things. I um, I I got involved in, in, in um, terms of uh, being interested in the criminal justice system because um, some years ago, at one time, my son was my son was in a federal prison for 13 months. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> He's in the IT world, okay, um, by profession. And what I did was, when he was coming out, was I had talked to a friend uh, who put me in contact with somebody 
at the U.S. Department of Labor about the federal bonding program, and I wanted to know if your guest is familiar with that program. I'm not. Federal bonding program? Yes, um, because it um, well, just tell me before I go into details about what it's about. I wanted to know if he's familiar with it. He was saying he he wasn't so much so, but I'm Googling it now. And so could you okay. tell us? Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, sure. Um, and actually, I was shocked when I found out most people don't know about it. It's been around since 1966. It was created by the U.S. Department of Labor, and the purpose of that program is to provide uh, uh, bond insurance free. It's free to both the formerly um, incarcerated person as well as to the employer. Um, It eliminates the risk to a potential employer for hiring uh, someone who is a returning citizen. Uh, You can get that insurance for six months initially, and it can be renewed for another six months. Um, when I worked in LaShawn Ford's campaign, I, um, I put the information out about it in a number of areas for mm-hmm. people to become familiar with it. Um, I think, and, and it is available in every state in the United States, including, of course, the Virgin Islands. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's been a reason why it has not been broadly broadcasted, um, because, um, uh, um that you know we we talk about employers who um don't want to hire people who have been formerly incarcerated because they can't get uh, liability insurance on them mm-hmm. and so this bond, this federal bond program act, uh, actually eliminates that problem hmm. um so i i could talk to um your guest like to talk to him more about that program, um, you know, outside of this conversation on the radio. Um, well, you can certainly of, you can certainly contact the Illinois Justice Project. Okay, uh, Illinois Justice Project—that's the name of this program, right? Yes, yes. And this yeah, is, I will. Uh, I, I will do that. I will do that. And one other thing that I was going to say, um, I have a friend who, well, he's currently incarcerated, but here's what I did to help his case. Um, he, um, got caught up in drugs. He's actually uh, a professional. He's, he's an IT person, mm-hmm. but he got caught up in drugs. He went out and committed some robberies and actually, uh, the state wanted to give him a 12 year sentence. What I did was I put together a mitigation file of support letters. Um, all, you know, he's a military veteran. Uh, and I am, I am also, by the way, he, um, um, he's a breed individual. So I put all that together in a file and that actually resulted in his getting a total, I mean, it was like eight robberies involved with a toy gun. He actually ended up, uh, before the reduction on good behavior and any other classes he would take while he's incarcerated, he got seven years. Mm. That was the total time that he got. Okay. And because of that mitigation package. And mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know about doing that because rather than going for, a, let's say, a plea bargain. Mm-hmm. And so, and it, I want, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. And I wanted to know if your guest, um, you know, in terms of the work that he's been doing, um, you know, if people that he has helped, his organization has helped, 
if they've gotten involved in doing that kind of work. Interesting. Thank you so much, Madeline. Thank you for uh, your call. And it pays to have a person like you in your corner. Absolutely. So, yeah, thanks so much. My, my, by the way, my profession, my, by, by schooling, in fact, I'm in graduate school. I do project management work. Project management. Okay. You sound yeah. like someone detail-minded to have the the energy and the forethought to put something like that together and to even do the research. And that's part of it, uh, you know, being responsible for the research and digging up the information that we need Absolutely. To, to save Absolutely. ourselves, basically. So thank you yes. so much. Thank, thank you for calling. So yep. mm-hmm. any comments on that? Yeah, I mean, what Madeline is talking about is a person isn't uh, as bad as their worst act. Right. It's about understanding who a human is, the things they've got going on in their background, the things they've got going on in their life. Mm-hmm. Uh, too often a person goes into a courtroom and they are only judged by that one allegation. Mm-hmm. And what Madeline is talking about is let's talk about the whole person. Mm-hmm. There aren't a lot of studies that suggest that putting somebody in prison for 20 and 30 and 40 years is effective for anyone. Right. The community isn't winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, the victims aren't getting their loved one right. or, or getting their property back. Mm-hmm. And the person is, is quite frankly, being tortured. Mm-hmm. So to have folks out there like Madeline that are trying to paint a full picture of a person, that's what we want the system to do. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some people that do bad things that need to be punished, but that doesn't mean that the punishment should go overboard. So mm-hmm. I wish we had more Madeline. Ab- absolutely. Um, and then what about the insurance? Yeah, that insurance. is the issue that, you know, I've, I've, I've heard about. You know, too often employers will say, well, listen, I would hire somebody, but, you know, I don't want to get sued. And, and, you know, I'm not an expert on that. Um, but I do know that some people say that, you know, that's a little bit of an excuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I know there's a state program like the bonding program uh, that gives employers the opportunity to protect themselves. But too often, it's just that stigma, right? It's right. a social stigma. Right. Right. It is an economic decision that they don't want to hire somebody um, that has a criminal record, but there also is a stigma. Mm-hmm. Can I trust that person? Right. Uh, will it that also person depends be on the position. You it's know, if yeah. they are in your environment, it's one thing. But if it's like an account rep or mm-hmm. someone who has to be trusted to go into another environment, you mm-hmm. know, that could be. T- totally understandable. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I will say, often we don't have that level of discussion it's not like oh this person's charged with theft so i'm not going to hire him at the bank it is basically <laughs> okay. you have a criminal record right, so i'm right. not even looking at you no matter what right? Right, right um and you know employers should have the ability uh to you know think about what a person did and mm-hmm. how it relates to the job they're being mm-hmm. asked to do but you know too often it's not that deep it's just right. like you got a criminal record I close my eyes. And in this day and time where everything is like, you Mm -hmm. know, the attention span is like five seconds, you know, then you really don't don't have a shot. But that brings me to um, one of the recipients of Chicago Community Trust, uh, their grant uh, to Miss Brenda uh, Palms Barber, who is the founder of uh, Sweet Beginnings and Bees Love. Uh, and basically, uh, they hire ex-felons. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole staff is mm-hmm. ex-felon. And as she transitioned from just a, uh, a bee apiary to creating products, the whole production line, distribution, 
um, delivery, uh, all of that is is employed by uh, ex-felons. Mm-hmm. So they get the training that they need to then step off into that next uh, place in line um, to to evolve mm-hmm. from having spent time in mm-hmm. prison. Yeah. So those kind of things also. Yeah, um, I mean, f- folks, like again, like I said, it, it is not like it was back in the day where we only lock up a few people. And we always locked up too many people, but it has gotten out of hand. So we're taking in all types of people into the criminal justice system. So to think that just because somebody has a criminal record, they can't be productive, they can't work, they can't work at a high-performing job or or work for a um, high-performing business, it's just untrue. So that's right. why it's great to have companies like that. I've had their products. They're wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're out on the west side. If I'm, I don't know if it's west yes, or south. Yes, um, yes. I can't, I can't remember. I, 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 they invited me out. I actually am supposed to be going out there, and I hope I get there. I you hope should. they haven't put the bees away just yet. <laughs> I know you they're should. getting ready for the winter, so I will make my way yeah. out there also yeah. because it's just interesting. And, and, and another interesting fact is that um, Mr. Woodfox was talking about how it was that when he was in prison, these people that were in prison were so creative, you yeah. know, these sculptors, these painters. It's like, why talent. is it that, you know, that this talent is not cultivated prior to? Yeah, well, you pe- know? people don't have economic opportunities in the communities they live in, right? Right, right. right. You know, who, you know, for many communities, the, the, the biggest employer is the guy on the street corner. Right. Right? right. So how do you commodify that talent? Mm-hmm. Um, it is difficult for people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I have no doubt. You know, I've obviously represented people. and um, I've lived in this city my entire life. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think that a criminal record means that you are somehow defective or not talented. Mm-hmm. So that's no, no surprise to me. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so before Madeline, we were talking about the R three program. Yep. And I'm from DC, so when you say R three, I always think of RG three. That's, <laughs> that's not it, right? That's not. That's, <laughs> sorry for that. It's not that. I know. Hopefully what it not is. as disappointing. <laughs> Something else entirely. Mm-hmm. But uh, the R three program: yeah. restore, reinvest, renew. Yeah. So, um, as many people may know, Illinois became the 11th state to legalize uh, adult-use cannabis. Mm, And while that is certainly important and we supported that, what we wanted to ensure is that that money uh, not just go into the pockets of rich, giant businesses, Mm -hmm. but that some of that money be reinvested uh, into the communities that served as the battlefields for the war on drugs. Yeah, and some of these places where a lot of the prison population is now, Absolutely. you know, these folks Absolutely. have been taking from yeah. those neighborhoods. Yeah, so yeah. it just didn't sit right with us mm-hmm. and with lots of the organizations uh, that we work with. So we advocated for, uh, and we had done it before. We were working on similar programs before the cannabis bill came along, mm-hmm. but we wanted to ensure that there was a select amount of money mm-hmm. that would go back into the communities. Um, so what was what came of that work is this R three program. So what that means is twenty five percent of the cannabis tax money mm-hmm. will go into R three areas uh, all across the state. And the R three areas are areas that have been hit hard by the war on drugs, mm-hmm. that have high incidences of um, incarceration, violence, 
uh, childhood poverty, mm -hmm. um, and people can apply for R3 grants that are going to do good work in mm -hmm. those areas mm -hmm. that will help reduce violence, and it's a big pot of money. It's 25% of cannabis tax revenue. So R3 grants, what is Yeah, that? so that is basically money from the state to conduct uh, work, you know, whether it's, you know, and, and it, it is um, a program run by Juliana Stratton, Okay. who is our lieutenant governor. Okay. Her office, the Justice, Equity, and Opportunity Office, will be launching the program. Uh, they are making plans now, um, mm -hmm. and you should check. Uh, there's a website called CJA. Uh, look up an organization called the Illinois Criminal Justice Information Authority. Okay. Um, and you can check their website. I check around... Uh, Okay, that's the leadership yeah, process. Okay, yeah, sorry, check their website. Mm -hmm. um, you know, keep on checking the website. I think that they'll probably be announcing the R three areas okay. in probably late December, early January. Okay, and they'll have information on that website on how you can get involved in that program. Okay, all right. Well, we are having a conversation about uh, what what can be done, how we can stem the yeah. tide of this prison pipeline. And we're happy to have attorney Sharon Mitchell with the Illinois Justice Project. And we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to continue to talk about, I like to talk about what's happening with the people that are already in prison because of this uh, the marijuana situation and what we're doing about that. So we're going to take a break. I see we have, we have uh, DJ P. Smurf. Thank you so much. So you know that the music is going to be smooth. We was rocking with the, uh, with the, uh, 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 oh goodness. <laughs> He's going to shoot me. <laughs> DJ Flo. Okay. And uh, we're going to come back. Stay with us. We'll be right back. <laughs> Live from the Xfinity Studios at WVON. We're your original social media. The Talk of Chicago. 
We are back, and that's Randy White with Give Me the Night. You know, Papa Snurf is back there doing his thing, always with the smooth groove. I love it. That's real nice. That's Randy White. Okay, so we were talking before the break. We were talking about the uh, R3 program, and of course that's with the cannabis and restoring and returning some of that funds to the community that have been the uh, hardest hit. Um, But also, we have so many others who are still in prison because of possession Mm -hmm. of the same product Mm -hmm. that is now legal. Mm -hmm. What's happening there? Well, it's a fight, you know. Uh, we have gotten away from locking people up from a long time uh, for for cannabis, mm-hmm. um, but um, throughout this particular issue, mm-hmm. and as we change all different types of laws, um, the fact of the matter is, is that there are people that are there uh, that if they just you know were you know come came into court a little bit longer, uh, mm-hmm. a little bit sooner. Uh, they may have not been facing the same type of sentencing structure. So what that's called is it's called retroactivity. Mm -hmm. So we want to make sure that the changes that we make uh, to our laws are retroactive so that people can uh, get out um, Mm -hmm. when the laws are changed. And right now that's a fight. Uh, There are lots of folks across the state that are fighting that. Law why? Enforcement. Why? Why would it be a fight if so, the, if this is legal? Yeah. Why are you know the, the, still the argument is is that you know a sentence should be final, and that when a judge gives you something and hands something down, that that should be the end of the story. So you know that is a giant fight, uh, and that fight's been going on well before this cannabis bill. Uh, we've been fighting criminal justice advocates have been fighting that for a long time, and, and we hope we win, but I'm not going to tell you, the, you know, lie to you and say that there are people fighting hard. That does, that, there are people fighting hard to keep that. What kind of logic is that that says, you know, you were imprisoned for something that we had constituted to be illegal, but now we say it's legal, but we still are going to keep you in prison? Well, there are people that don't believe in these reforms. There are people that believe that we should be sending people to prison and throwing away the key. There are people that believe that that's the only way to deal with mm. whatever we think is bad in our society. So they never believed in it. They never believed that we should be legalizing cannabis. They never believed that we should be changing laws. Oh, okay. So they're willing mm-hmm. to fight it tooth and nail, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they're not willing to give up. So I would talk to your legislators and, mm-hmm. and say, what are you doing on this this issue? This is an issue that's affecting lots of people. And it's about fundamental fairness. It's about anti-racism. It's about equity. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and we know what all of this is built from. Wh- what it's built on. We talked about it earlier. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. We talked about That's it crazy. earlier. Okay. All right. If you'd like to join in our conversation, three one two three seven four eight one three zero is where you want to call, make a comment or a question. Um, so we know, that, you know, I think you had given us some statistics here in Chicago in terms of the percentage of people who are actually in prison, and this would be the, that would make up probably the second largest city in, uh, or city or county here mm-hmm. in um, in Chicago. So uh, during the break, Papa, Papa Smurf brought us in on something. Uh, you want to join in? 
there. You yourself have a, have a story. Here I am. Yeah. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, I, I'm listening to your conversation. Uh, yeah, I'm a um, uh, convicted felon myself 17 years ago. And um, if anybody can claw their way out of the system, uh, if I could do it, anybody can do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just takes a lot of uh, determination and uh, not necessarily uh, listening to the door slam in front of your face. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had a lot of, I've I've had a lot of jobs in which I was qualified for. But did not get because of the uh, the felony background. I've had a lot of uh, people who told me that uh, they would look at my uh, resume, they would read my resume, at, and as spectacular as it was, um, I've also had my I've also turned my back to walk away and had and heard them rip the resume up in two. Mm. So because of the felony background, I've 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 experienced both sides of it. Right. So uh, you just have to be determined and uh, uh, don't necessarily listen to people when they tell you no. And always educate yourself. Mm-hmm. The best, the best weapon you can have is a college degree. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, whether you're getting that in the penitentiary or getting that in the, in, in uh, while you are incarcerated, uh, and come out and, and also further that along the way, get another uh, master's or a PhD or whatever the case may be. Always get that education because that's your best weapon right mm-hmm. now. That, that's your ticket. Do you mind telling us how long you were in? And you don't have to divulge if you choose not to. Uh, I was in for, uh, let's see, I was in for seven years. Oh, okay. Uh, but then that was in 2002. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah. So. Yeah. And so the reason why I ask, because does it make a difference depending on how long you're in to say, you know, if you went in during a certain time and now technology is here and it's a whole different world, how that impacts. Was that an impact for you? Um, uh, technology? Um, yeah. I've always had, I was aware of, of what was going on technology-wise, and so that, mm-hmm. was, a, that was a big motivation for me because mm-hmm. I knew that I had to keep myself up to speed on the latest uh the latest things, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it wasn't a hurdle per se. The, the biggest hurdle I had was the hurdle in my own head. Right. So, you know, trying to get past that after you hear no so many times, it does affect you. Mm-hmm. Uh, because at the time, you know, I'm trying to support a uh, family as mm-hmm. well. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you come across those frustrations mm-hmm. when you know that you are good enough uh, for the least of the jobs out there. You know, mm-hmm. I knew that I was at least good enough for Burger King. <laughs> You know, I, I knew that much, but when Burger King said, "Well, think about it," okay. then that's a then that's a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that could possibly create some frustration, like Burger King. Are right. You, you know, serious? So because that's 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 just, that's exactly what it what it is. You have right. to. I had to 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 really break myself down. Okay, go for something, anything, right, as long as it's right. a check. Go to Burger King, and then they say, "Well, we'll think about it." Then, right. You know, that's the right. Problem. Right. And you can certainly understand that. And yeah. do you see that? Yeah. I mean, we put barriers in front of people that are talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you heard, uh, you know, there are people that can do the work. And we put things in front of them for, I don't think, any good reason. So mm-hmm. that's what we're trying to do over here. And I, I love to hear stories of people making it. Mm-hmm. But it shouldn't have to be a struggle. Right. When you serve your time, you should serve your time. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't have to be incarcerated inside and incarcerated when you come out and have to fight, claw, scratch your way. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be in that situation. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. those are the type of laws that we're fighting to get rid of so that people can come out and they can do the things that they need to do to provide for their family mm-hmm. in a safe and legal way. Mm-hmm. So do you think um, 
and maybe I might be asking this rhetorical and I know the answer, but do you think that culturally there's an issue? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can't wait for culture um, to change laws. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can do that interpersonally. We can talk to our friends and family and, and get online and talk to people. But we can't wait for culture. Uh, culture will develop when it develops. We have to make sure that we are tearing down uh, some of these structures that um, really build inequality mm-hmm. um, and keep inequality in place. But isn't that a part of what changes laws is the uh, is the cultural construct? So when you start looking at uh, take for instance for uh, Pop Smith that um, the culture of what a felon might be mm-hmm. is is this one two three four so it doesn't matter mm-hmm. that he's qualified but going into Burger King he's still tell, told no mm-hmm. so isn't that a or I don't know whether I guess it wouldn't be culture but it mu- it's imaging stigma. the stigma yeah, okay. it's a stigma that exists mm-hmm. yeah but I do think that stigma is changing a little bit mm-hmm. again as we talk about how many people have criminal records? It's hard to say now that these are the dangerous people and these are the people that we got to keep in the corner mm-hmm. um, because they're our brothers, they're our sisters, they're our friends, they're our families. Mm-hmm. More, uh, also, we have a booming economy. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you hear from economists is that we are going to have an economic downturn because we're not hiring people who have criminal records employers literally can't fill jobs um, because there are so many people um, that are kind of pushed out of uh, the economy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's going to come to a point where we've got to look at our policies and uh, change them for the better. And so we uh, are then talking about the behaviors, the behaviors of our, of a society. Mm -hmm. Okay, and um, one of the things, and I keep going back to uh, Mr. Woodfox because I just think that his story is just mm-hmm. so tremendous. Um, one of the things when he is discussing about being a youth coming up and these petty crime and the things that he was doing. So initially when he was uh, arrested and convicted, he did rob a store. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he did create the mm-hmm. uh, uh, uh have this criminal act okay and so when we start looking at our youth and to understand that some things that the boys will be boys kind of uh, mentality that for some boys will be boys you know Mm. it's boys Mm. will be boys for others is boys will be in prison Mm. and so unfortunately that generally lands a lot of African Americans in juvenile Mm juvenile home so what happens with the youth and the parents and some of the things that need to change on that side to recognize what the culture is for us per se um you know we criminalize black youth way more than we criminalize other youth right right so um there's no doubt uh you know people uh, do things that we don't like. Mm-hmm. But we have to talk about what our reactions are to Absolutely. what they are yeah. and yeah. do those reactions, mm-hmm. um, are they good or are they bad? 
Right. So it's locking up. You know, I saw some story about a six-year-old getting arrested. Oh yeah, I saw that. Did Florida. you see that? Yeah, and right? so first they had uh, first they had suspended the yeah. officer, but they finally did fire him. But unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, it was a black officer. Yeah. And that's well, what I was. Well, you know, surprised at. you know, I, listen. The fact of the matter is, is that you know, I have a friend that talks about how white supremacy sometimes isn't limited to white people. Right. Okay. Especially when you're in organizations where there may be a lot of that. Where you're in organizations built on white supremacy, so you begin to take on the culture of that Absolutely. organization. Absolutely. And that gives you the gold star when you arrest the two little black kids. All skin folk ain't kin folk. <laughs> but that's horrendous. How do you even, where do you even, right. how does that so, even? So, so it would be ridiculous for me to come in here and say, well, the six-year-old did something bad. Right, right, but that's right. The, but, but we continue. We stepped that up with the seven year old did something bad, right. or the nine year old did something bad, or the twelve year old did something bad, and uh, you know we just have to think about how we respond to these things. And for certain people, we respond in a totally different way. Right, you know, if a six year old in a different community, you know, hits somebody upside the head, right. the reaction is going to be different. Right, if a twelve year old from another community hits up somebody upside the head. The reaction is going to be different, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I definitely understand. I'm not going to act act like my people uh, are perfect, okay? Um, but I am going to say that the system treats my people very differently, right? For the same infraction. For the same infraction. Right, and I think there was maybe a few months ago where this guy had killed his sister, his mother, and his mm-hmm. nephew. Mm-hmm and then was running around naked. They mm-hmm. had the video on YouTube, mm-hmm. um, and, and the cop is running from him. So instead of, they didn't shoot him. Of course they didn't shoot him. They tackled him in all of his nakedness, and he lived to see another day. Mm. So I guess my, my direction with this is when you start talking about the culture, the culture of a thing is the basic thinking and the premise mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. what's valuable mm-hmm. and what's not. Absolutely. Yeah, there's no argument here. Um, a lot of the work that we need to do is cultural. Right. A lot of the work that we need to do is about values. It's not just all about the laws. Right. I 100% agree with it, but we're in a situation um, that I believe is so extreme that there's not one thing that we have to focus on. Right. So it's not just culture. It's not just laws. It's culture and laws. Mm-hmm. It's not just uh, parenting. It's not just economic situations it's economic and parenting we need to, it's it's all all hands on deck mm-hmm. we've got to change mm-hmm. it all if we want to get to where we got to go where we got to go and so where are we going where do you think we're going what's happening where do you think we're going? you know when i think about you know what i do criminal justice reform it is that your race or the amount of money you have in your pocket uh where you come from or what you look like will not harm the outcome that you have in the system, right? Mm -hmm. That's what I'm working for. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm working for a system that doesn't harm people because of what they look like. Um, And I'm looking for a system that doesn't try to solve all of the problems of our communities through the justice system. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm working for. Okay. Well, we have a caller on the line, Tommy. Uh, We'll take Tommy. Good evening. Let me say good evening to you guys, and and I'd like to point uh, a couple of things out to you. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, one of them is, it says that if you do the crime, you do the time, you can't be judged for it afterwards. You can't be tried for it again. Mm -hmm. But yeah, every time you walk out, knowing that if an individual is to be supposedly rehabilitated and reestablished back into the cogs of society, and one of the things they're going to need immediately is a job, whether they locked up for two months or 20 years. Mm-hmm. But yet, when you fill out the application, the first thing it says is, "Have you ever been convicted again? Have you ever been Have you ever been convicted before?" Mm-hmm. And so you're being tried for that right then and there. But most importantly, I think the thing that I want to get across is the simple fact that um, there is no such thing as rehabilitation in in the penal system. Otherwise, it would be crystal clear. Uh, as to why uh, the revolving door continues to swing open or swing when individuals get out and they can't find jobs. So what do you think they're going to do, except for to go back to what they know best? Mm -hmm. But more importantly than that, I end with this one. You ought to find it real interesting that even while the officer was as wrong as wrong could be for locking up a six-year-old, Yet some white officers dragged the teenage girls down flight of stairs, but they didn't lose their job. Mm. So until we wake up as a society of black people in a nation that has said repeatedly over and over and over again, skip you, this whole thing with we're supposed to be having this so-called uh, rush with with uh, cannabis being legal and what about the people that's locked up and the brother was just talking, saying they're fighting the tooth and nail. I don't know what it takes for us to recognize and understand that our best days lie ahead of us, and it's called unity. You guys have a good night. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tommy. Thank you so much. And so I guess that's what we were talking about, the cultural impact of uh, value system. And um, as he mentioned, yes, we get. Uh, irate about a six-year-old and a seven-year-old being arrested, but what about dragging a young girl down a flight of stairs? Or shooting a barber. Right, or shooting a barber. I mean, we can go on endlessly about um, the violence that um, continues to perpetuate, not just, I know, as soon as we start talking about police violence, then it's the black-on-black crime. Okay, we understand that. Okay, and I think that when you look at different ethnicities across the board, normally the crime, those type of petty crimes are within their own, Mm -hmm. their pockets of their own ethnicity. In fact, just for my own self, I have looked up what would be considered white-on-white crime. And if you really looked at white-on-white crime, it's tremendous. But because there isn't a uh, particular saying of white-on-white crime, it's not categorized, so it's not put in place. But white-on-white crime is is out there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, but here's the thing about it. You know, you talk about black-on-black crime. Mm-hmm. I'm not paying the quote-unquote black criminal to hurt the black citizen. Right. I am paying the officer. Right, and my tax dollars <laughs> so, are paying for you to protect yeah, me, yeah. but you're so, so, perpetuating violence. Yeah, yes. so mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's a one-on-one type situation. I think right. that's that's kind of crazy. Right. Uh, well, that's a good that, way to, to it, look at it because, folks, that's usually, or if something crazy is happening, they go back to what's happening in yeah. Chicago. 
well, let's not worry about that because Chicago is crazy. Yeah. And also, we need to be able to, if we're going to reduce, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things we need to do to reduce crime that is mm -hmm. not built into policing. With that said, we have no trust in the police mm -hmm. who are supposed to bring safety if they are constantly not only hurting our communities, but that's that's one thing, but not being held accountable for it. Right, I think absolutely. it's a much bigger that's thing, huge. right? Yeah. You yeah. know, we talk about accountability all the time mm -hmm. when it comes to quote unquote criminals, but we right. don't talk about accountability when it comes to uh, you know, folks that may have a duty to protect us. And I think that is the key piece, right? Once people start facing consequences, mm -hmm. once mm -hmm. they realize that maybe if I, you know, pull this lady down from this this child down by her hair, that I might lose my job, well, man, things might change a little right, bit. Right, right. I might change my technique. We have another caller on the line, Eric. Good evening, Eric. How are you? Hello. Hi, Eric. Yeah, how you doing? I'm well. Um, how are you? Yeah, I want to make a comment that um, the, it was a caller, I believe, uh, a couple of callers before. Uh, I don't know if he was a caller or a guest. He made a comment about how we have so many different things to think about as uh, far as, um, you know, job, or, you know, all sorts of different things. It's like all hands on deck, mm -hmm. you know, like that. My point I'm trying to make is that basically I think, that we, we we have to not be distracted because I'm hearing things about the system, uh, the, the police, different things. We already know what the system is all about because of our history. Mm -hmm. We have come so far until the only the only thing we can do is keep on going. Mm -hmm. So basically, we have to start with focusing on what we need to do and keep it simple. Mm -hmm. Economics. got to have economics as your foundation. Right. We got caught up in Trump, uh, uh, the immigration, things like that. We got to look at what we need to do and come together, communicate, and, 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 be, a, and, be, and be a think tank. Because we have so much talent, so many people, so many degrees, so many uh, millionaires, uh, billionaires. We even have billionaires now. Mm -hmm. You know, to tell you how far we've come as far as on the individual basis, but as a people, we just have to keep it simple. Mm -hmm. Like, if, if, if you don't want to spend no money at this person's store, then you have to give, you have to uh, create options, you know, so you can go and still continue to eat. So, we're talking about all these different people in our community. We have to come up with options and, and for the people to uh, be able to support themselves when you don't want to support this person. Well, isn't so that if you don't what, have no choice, you just got to do what you got to do to, yeah. to survive. Well, isn't so that... the system ain't never been, the system, the system has never been for us. Correct. You know, history tells us. It's the reason why we 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 have come 400 years and still talking about getting reparations, getting uh, repaid for what has happened. It's obvious that it's it, it's not it's not for us. Okay, right so there. Eric, so Eric, ho the ho best thing we can do, mm -hmm. the best thing we can do is vote 
And voting is like putting on the raincoat to protect you from the from the outer from the outer uh, weather, the storm of the system. Okay. But the most important thing is we got to keep it simple and focus on giving people alternatives. And I think create that, economics. And I think that's whole, I think that's what we were discussing, saying that it's kind of multi pronged. You can't just focus on one area. You know, but the thing is that, um, Eric, that as you're existing in the system, you still have to be able to function in the system as you are simultaneously changing the system. You know, so that that takes a duality that I think makes us unique as a people when it comes to surviving. You know, would you say, Eric? I understand that. But. We have mastered the system already. Mm-hmm. Think about it. We come from chains around the ankles. Ain't even supposed to be able to read. If we get caught with a letter, we lose our life. So we have gone from that until we got, we even had a president, congressmen, senators. You know, it, 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 we, we know the system. It's all about coming together, keeping it simple, and stop being distracted by uh, the system as far as handcuffing us and being unfair. You know, because they call it race, because this this, this racism basically is it, it's like a race. Well, you, know? you say we master the system. They want to keep you behind. Hold on. You say so we master. if you ma- focus on somebody keeping you behind, you can't, you can't concentrate on what you need to do. To move forward. Okay, hold, hold a second. So you say we mastered the system. Um, yes, Sharon, you were we got shaking your head. We need. Let's let's let me let me get your opinion on that. I mean, I, I think that we've constantly pushed against the system and made us made our lives better, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, when it comes to slavery or Jim Crow or uh, laws that barred us from being able to vote, laws that barred us from being able to own. Uh, property uh, laws that barred us from being able to uh, actually father and mother our own kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, we changed those laws, uh, but I don't think that we're at the mountaintop yet. Right, and that's right. that's where that's where my work comes in. I think that the criminal justice system uh, promotes some of the same harms that slavery did and that Jim Crow did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I believe that a hundred years, people will look at the criminal justice system as we look at slavery now mm-hmm. and say that we got past that. Right. So that's, that's what I'm about. I'm trying to be a part of that struggle, right? So folks from 100 years can say, hey, those mm-hmm. people got over that. Right. So Eric, Can I say something? Yes, go ahead, Eric. Mm-hmm. Okay. When you speak in reference to laws, it's like, okay, the Constitution. Okay, constitutions are promises. That's words. That's a comfort to a fool. The Constitution, is, what, what difference does it make if, 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 the, if there's no honor in it? What difference is the law if there's no honor in the law? You know what I'm saying? And so it's obvious that you, you handcuff when it comes to the law because that's part of the system. And if the system ain't for you, why do you keep running to something that's not for you when you can focus on what you need to do to protect yourself and to grow? And the best way to protect yourself is to give yourself options. Because when you don't have options, you're more vulnerable. 
And when you're more vulnerable, people take advantage of you. So if you separate it, it's just like out in the streets, in the jungle, wolf. If you separate it, it's easier for a gang of, of people to conquer one or two people that's like that instead of a whole group. That's all I'm trying okay, to say. Eric, but wait, but wait a minute. Last don't mean okay, okay. nothing if, if there's no honor. Okay, but wait a minute, Eric. What's, what's the answer? That's why we being yeah. Eric, 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 Eric. Eric. Hold on, hold on. Wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. Oh. Eric, Eric, hold okay. on. Because you, you're talking a lot of cliche, but what I want to know is what's the answer? It's not no you're, telling, you're, telling me what the, you're telling me what the options are. Look, what what, what are the now. options? You keep you keep this repeating. We need options. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, no, no. I, I understand what you're saying. Okay, Eric. Okay, I hear you. Eric, Eric, slow down just a minute. Slow down a second because we need to make sure. And 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 thank you, thank you because because that's what I was going to ask you. So that excellent. Can you respond to that? Because I I understand what you're saying, and I think that this is where sometimes we get into this circle and this revolving door because because when you just say options, okay, that's options. But now, what are the options and I think attorney Sharon was mentioning some of the options and just pointing out specifically where we need to focus on so yes uh, okay, okay. you know what saying I'm what are the about? options okay right. okay yeah. you know what you know what options I'm talking about mm-hmm. when you get hungry and you want to go get some bread butter cheese and milk you have a choice to come to your store where you have the ability to feed yourself. That's the, that, that, that's the, I'm, I'm breaking it down to that very simple. You said level. your store? Whose store? If, any store. Oh, okay. Any store. Okay. If, if you don't have, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't open up no store and, and fill it full of food, uh, then, then you have to go somewhere else to eat. And as long as you depend on another man or woman to eat, you know, you're always going to be behind the eight ball. It's just that simple. Okay. You know, if, if you got $5 and I got $5 and I try to take my $5 and go or go against somebody with $10 and you trying to do the same over here instead of us putting our money together, then you know what I'm saying? Okay, Eric, well, but now... But there's, 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 there's no equality right there. Okay, on the hold, hold on, Eric. Hold okay, on, Eric. Let you're saying, hold on. Eric, you're saying a lot. You're saying society. a lot. Hold on. Can I hold talk on. for a second, Eric? Money talk. Eric, can I... Can Eric, hold, hold we, on, we all Eric. Can't, Eric. Eric, hold we on. We all can't talk on. at the same time. All that walks. That's what... Eric, we all cannot talk at the same time. Now, I got the board. I'm going to cut it. But we all can't talk at the same time, okay? My question is, and I just need I just need an answer. When it comes to criminal representation, when it comes to uh, a man leaving the penitentiary or leaving jail, looking for work, looking for a way to supply uh, food for his family or to support himself, what are the options? That's the only question that I need you to answer. What? Are the options in this community and new technology over there? I mean, I'm just saying. How long this been going on? Did you hear me? Okay. Did you hear? Okay. So, thank, okay. Thank, so, thank, Eric. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. And so, I I want to say this that Eric Eric is not wrong. Yeah. I you know, he's, I don't he's think he's wrong. wrong. Um. And but but this is the conversation that I hear a lot of where there are just the generalities of what needs to be done. And I think until we have projects like the Illinois Justice Justice 
project and people like yourself and like Pop Smurf back here that that has actually walked through the system to really be able to identify and put a name to it, not just a general process, then I think we're going to keep going in this circle. Yeah, we got to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. Right. 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 So we got to be able to, you know, fix the criminal justice system, right. but also not rely on government handouts to support us. Right. I don't. I don't think Eric was super wrong, but he just. I think what we just need to realize we got to be able to do multiple things. Right. Like right. I said before, we got so many issues that we got to be able to attack this thing from multiple different ways. Exactly. What more. were you going to say? Mm-hmm. Right. There's more than one way to do this. Mm-hmm. But you have to be able to find, you have to have a concrete strategy. Mm-hmm. Right. When I was released, I had zero strategy. The mm-hmm. only thing that was on my mind was not getting caught up mm-hmm. in anything that would have me to go back. Mm-hmm. So my only option then was to look out of a window mm-hmm. of my parents' home so I would not mm-hmm. offend again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so then when I, I finally came to myself, there is more for me to do than sitting out of a, looking out of a window. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I had to make, uh, make sure, okay, uh, let's go back to school. Let's figure this whole thing out. Right. How much is this going to cost? And make a make a plan, yeah, a and strategy. then and then exactly. make a plan, and then follow through with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric's not wrong, but you can't. Uh, for me, I've heard the I've heard the lines before. Right. I've heard the cliches before, and at some point, you know, to go in one ear and out the other. Ear, that's why you know I get a little right, you know, right, because <laughs> he just jumped. Right, I mean, like, I'm, hey. I'm going right. That's why I, no, I get no, a little. No, no, no. That that was good because uh, I think you're exactly right that you you know you can use the cliche when you're sitting back. And I don't know Eric's story, so I'm not saying that he's not speaking from his own personal experience. But until we begin to frame this out mm-hmm. and and start coming up as uh, Papa Snort said with an agenda. Okay, mm-hmm. this is my strategy. I'm not going to just look out the window. But one thing that you did have is you had a parent's house that you could sit in and look out the window to take the time to do this. Some people right. don't even have that. No, right. You know, some well, people don't have that. Yeah, you, I, I had to regroup and people don't, and some people don't have the chance to regroup. Right. Um, uh, but I'm, I, I'm, I'm here to tell you that the biggest thing that, that motivated me, I went and I volunteered. I went and, you know, when I couldn't find work, I volunteered. Mm -hmm. And I I kept myself busy, made myself available for people to let them know I can do this. Mm -hmm. And so if that leads to a job, then that leads to a job. But it got me out of the house. It got me the it got me blended into the community again, right, right. and I'm mm-hmm. and it gave me a sense of purpose. So mm-hmm. once those things happened, then I got my redetermination back. I got my work ethic back. I got focus. all of those things back, and my focus back, mm-hmm. and that allowed me to do other things. Now I'm not saying that mm-hmm. I am like on top of the mountain or anything like that, because trust me, with the bills that I got, I'm not you on top of the mountain. You are on top of the mountain. But you I, or DJ for my show. I, well, on, okay, well, well, then there you go. <laughs> it they, doesn't get any better than that. Well, it doesn't I think get not. it doesn't get any better <laughs> than that. Kidding. No, but I can't say, but I can't. Say that it, 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 there is a strategy. You have to have a strategy, and I have to answer these songs. So I got okay. All righty. Okay. Yeah. You know, um, and that kind of takes us. All of this is so connected mm-hmm. and so full circle because e- e- the economics of uh, anything will speak to uh, where the people are going. Mm-hmm. And so, when uh, one of the things that Eric brought up, thank you, Eric, because you really brought a lot of. Stuff to the forefront, okay? Um, When you start talking about going to someone's store, so if you're talking about going to a black-owned store, Mm -hmm. and this was one of the things even, you know, for me, is that 
If I have a corner store and because I have not done my due diligence as a business person and so now when you come to buy a loaf of bread it's $3.50 but you can go to Walmart and get that same bread for $1.75 then what happens when I'm asking you to go three miles out of your way to come get my bread that's $2 extra and you can just hop on a bus and go on up to Walmart and get it for $1.50. So, you know, the responsibility when we open business is the onus is on us also that we do our due diligence so we have a viable, sustainable business, not just because we open a door and now we expect based on our blackness that folks are going to come and support yeah. what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know? So all of those things are a part of what, say, the Chicago Community Trust, who also invest in what you're doing. And some of the things, the uh, Benefit Chicago is another one that's mm -hmm. out there. And there's a lot of corporations and organi organizations that are out there that are also behind the economy, behind what's uh, propelling this uh, justice, injustice system. Absolutely. So if we're not as you say, dealing with it on so many fronts, mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter what the system is. Mm -hmm. We're all going to be subject to it. Yeah. You can fill this room with people with different solutions, right? Mm -hmm. You can fill it with a unique solution. One person is saying, I need to fix this. And one person is saying, I need to fix that. And we need the whole room. Mm -hmm. We don't need just one. Right. And everybody takes a part of mm -hmm. it. And there isn't just... You know, there isn't just one answer. And mm -hmm. I think it's, you know, there are enough people that can come in and partner. And mm -hmm. that's the, the other thing is that we have to learn how to partner Absolutely. and work together. And unity isn't always kumbaya, let's all get together and Tough. we're all going this way. Sometimes unity is just having a, the partnership of the person next to you and doing things in a manner that pulls you both ahead. 100%. Okay, so we have Ron on the line. Ron, good evening. How are you? I'm doing fine. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Well, what do you have for us tonight? Well, my question to you and your host is, are you guys familiar with George Stenny? Not really. You want to tell us? Was an, Af was an African-American 13-year-old put to death by the United States of America. Oh, okay, yes. The, the, youngest, the youngest person ever put to death in the electric chair, mm -hmm. and they and they tortured him. Mm -hmm. So this, he's just one of them. There's Gator Bait. There's a whole lot of young black folks that have been assassinated, killed by this organization calling themselves the police. Right. That's the first thing. So it's amazing to me how we don't learn from history. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is an honorable organization. They're highly respected and highly decorated. But they started as slave catchers, bounty hunters, and their, and their responsibility was to protect the institution of slavery. Yes. And that's what it is right now. Right. The Texas Rangers started, the Texas Rangers started as slave bounty hunters. Well, I think that's what we were talking about when we said what the basis of these organizations where the foundation of them have started. And it's the evolution and uh, uh, creating the laws and the legislation to be able to help move this. And also adding the cultural aspect, because if we don't factor in the cultural aspect of where all of this is connected from, then we really lose quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, well, well, well let me, here, here's my question to you. Okay. What you're, what you're talking about 
has been tried. We have a history of dealing with these folks trying to use their laws, trying to use their system. Fifty-four of the first Supreme Court justices all owned slaves. Mm -hmm. This is the system that we're in. Okay? Mm -hmm. All presidents up until Abraham Lincoln owned slaves. Okay, so Ron, let me ask you, what is your answer? What is your answer? What is your solution? Here's my answer. Mm -hmm. If you want peace, prepare for war. Okay. Have you heard that before? Yes, I have. That's the motto that the United States of America lives by. Okay. If you want peace, prepare for war. Now, what does war mean? In the sense of we can't win because they outnumber us 10 to 1. 10 goes over 1 nine times. You can't win calling yourself and acting like a minority. That's what we are in this country. So well, you if, you're talking about, if you're talking about people of color, period, then, you know, white people are only 12% of the, of the globe. So, so I, technically, people of color, black people outnumber white people just globally. So I don't know if you're I, talking about a global war, you're just talking about America. What are you talking about? I'm not, I'm not talking about a war in the sense of bloodshed because right. you cannot outwar the war machine of America. And then secondly, I don't deal with minorities. I, can't, I don't deal with people of color. I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. I know what the Constitution says. I know that they said in the Dred Scott decision that a black man, they didn't say people of color, they said black man, you don't have no right that a white man is bound to respect. Mm-hmm. I can't deal with nobody else. Everybody else has to deal with their own stuff. Mm-hmm. I got to deal with black people. Okay. And until we learn who we are dealing with, this is the problem. Many of us are ignorant to history. Mm-hmm. Every Every 13, the 13 colonies codified a code, a code for black people and how they were to be treated and disciplined. They also codified a code for how white people were to be treated and how they were to discipline black people. So tell us how, let's, let's do this. Tell us, now you say the solution is to prepare for war. In what way? That's what. That's the only solution. If you can find another solution in history, with us, it's always, here's what they tell us. When you look at South Africa as an example, reconciliation and truth. Reconciliation and truth in America. Did they tell the Jews reconciliation and truth with the Germans? No. They said, give me what you owe me, and I'm going to put you in jail if you don't. It's okay. reconciliation with black people. It's always forgive them. It's always accommodate them. What okay. I'm telling you is, in, in this type of country, and I know you don't want to hear this. No, no, no. I, what I what I want to hear is I understand what you're saying, and I'm not I, I'm not discrediting it. Discrediting it. What I am listen. asking is how you would go about this. What would be the, the same way, the same way after after Martin Luther King said he accomplished what he accomplished, there were the so-called radical '60s, where this country was set on fire. And after it was set on fire, they started to give way. Black people were fed up 
sick and tired of racism, white supremacy. Okay. All you got to do is read the Colonel Commission, and okay. you'll see. Okay. This country was on fire. So are you saying All then? Are you saying then that we should start ablaze? No. What I'm saying to you is, is that when you are outnumbered, when you read the Art of War, you have to hit and you have to miss. What would happen if all all cars downtown were super glued, the locks? What would happen if all the folks that live on the north side somehow found their window smashed? Okay, so we have to we have to we have to make them pay attention. Right. Do you understand? And you're not. But that. But see. But see. Now you're okay. So I. You know. I understand the level of frustration. Okay. No. 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 Hold on. No. I don't have to. I don't have to exhibit it the same way. But that does not mean that I do not understand. Okay. But I also understand the result of that. Okay. See. One thing is for sure is that when you're looking to make change, you do have to operate within the existing system in order to change the system. And this is this is not to hold on, hold on, Ron. This is not to say that there might not come a, pl- a place and a point where you know going to battle or rising up is not something that's necessary. But I think that's all of the progressive steps that happen in the process of making change, okay? Because all of the things, hold on, I just want you to think about something. All of the things that you have said and that have been done, look at where we are still. We are still in that same place, okay, when it comes to, uh, black people being devalued. Okay, we are still fighting for a lot of the things that we have fought for 50 years ago. So those things did not make the change that I think you think should make. And so there's got to be something else. There's got to be another way. And so existing well, within the system, being able to live within the system, okay, and exist within the system has to be a part of the plan. Can, can, can I give you, listen, first of all, the system of racism, white supremacy operates in nine areas that we all participate in, according to Neely Fuller and Dr. Francis Cress Welsing. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing mm-hmm. in the ISIS papers. Mm-hmm. We have, we don't, most of us do not understand what happened to us. And we're not angry about it. That's the first thing. And I'm going to tell no, you something let me, else. Let me let me let me let me let me let, let Attorney Sharon uh, respond to that. He's he just made a comment. Well, I'm just saying that I think that lots of people are angry, and um, like you said, I think people can exhibit that anger in uh, different ways. I, I definitely understand uh, what Ron what is talking. What way? Well, I'm, I understand what Ron's talking about with with civil disobedience, and I can understand why somebody wants to go down that route. But I also think that there are multiple routes to exhibit that anger, to exhibit that frustration. Um, and again, like I keep on saying, I don't think there's um, one way that we got to do this. Uh, I think that as long as the people are aware of the change that needs to be made and working toward that change and doing that in a way that's not uh, getting themselves locked up yeah. <laughs> um, and not getting nobody killed, then, you know, do you? Right, exactly. 
otherwise we're we're just we're we're really just supplying the same inventory that they're looking and reasoning as to why these jails need to be built why it's necessary to treat people like that Absolutely. because look at them after mm-hmm. all yeah. they're you know yeah. and so sometimes you have to rise above and it's just it's more difficult mm-hmm. it's more it's more of a challenge but i think the other way you know, I don't see where that it may satisfy an immediate gratification mm-hmm. in in being able to let off steam mm-hmm. and retaliate. But in the long run, it's more detrimental. Absolutely. It's more detrimental. So thank you. Thank you so much, Ron. I mean, you always have something interesting to say and a lot, you know, giving thought to mm-hmm. the opinion, because, again, I don't think anyone is really wrong. Like like with Eric, it's not so much wrong. It's it's this is a difficult um, process to navigate out of. Yeah, it's a lot yeah. to be mad about. It's a lot to be frustrated with. Right. Right. Um, and we just have to figure out what are the most productive ways of getting where everybody knows that we need to be at. So right. um, I'm not mad at Ron. I'm not mad at Eric. Um, I just don't want to uh, see anybody put themselves in a situation where they can't help. <laughs> you know? where, you, where, you're, <laughs> where you're not, I don't want to say you're not a help yeah. because I think all things work, even someone as um, uh, Mr. Woodfox, by him having experienced what he's experienced, to be able to come back to the table and then bring that. Yeah. But God knows what you had to suffer to gain yeah. that experience to Absolutely. bring that back to the fold. Absolutely. You know, how much more could you be mm-hmm. without having to take those, mm-hmm. you know, that route? So I think sometimes you do have certain necessary evils. I think that that's just a part of being human mm-hmm. and the whole human evolution. I, don't, I Personally, this is my personal I don't think it was meant to be perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it was meant to always be a process that's mm-hmm. always evolving until such time, you know, whatever the end of the days will be. Absolutely. But until then, it's just a, you know, it's just a constant battle, it's a constant fight, and there's a learning. You know, there's a learning that takes place. Absolutely. As a human spirit. Absolutely. So I think sometimes we get wrapped up in the oneness of me, mm-hmm. you know, and by oneness that one and what it is that I think and what it is that I believe. But it, but that has to connect to the whole human chain. Absolutely. And so whether it's just being black and suffering the ordeal or being white and understanding the suffering that comes and how that suffering also impacts you. Absolutely. You know, because I don't think anyone escapes it. Absolutely. So it just depends on which side you're on. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I no, I, I I agree with all that. I, I just I just I just you know I'm glad that there are people out there uh, that understand uh, that there needs to be uh, um, change. I just want them to do it in, in a safe way. Right. Um. So. Um, in a way that moves you forward. Yeah. In a way that. I don't walk outside of my car some glue. <laughs> that will, that will, yeah, because how do you Uber, know? Is this person black yeah, or white? Is yeah. this, okay. Uber is too expensive back to Warren Park. Don't even talk about Uber. <laughs> <laughs> don't even talk about Uber. Yeah, no super glue on the cars, please. Well, yeah. you know who to come looking for. We coming to looking yeah. for Ron. Until I get my car back on the south side. Hold up, Ron. Just let me get out of the studio. <laughs> 
get back to the south side. Okay. Well, it's good to laugh about it. You know, I mean, it is so frustrating yeah. sometimes. You throw water, throw your hands up, you yeah. know. But uh, yeah. we're going to check on your car, yeah. and we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. The views expressed on our programs are not necessarily those of WVON, Midway Broadcasting Corporation, or our participating sponsors. The talk of Chicago and the voice of the nation is 1690 WVON, Bergen, Chicago. That's what we have to keep doing. Absolutely. Just keep rising to the top. Absolutely. And we're rising. Yeah, we we're rising. We're, we're seeing it. We're seeing it. I'm going to tell you, Papa Swerve, he needs to have a smooth <laughs> groove, some sort of event that yeah. just kind of just keeps this music. Yeah, he's killing music it. Groove. Isn't he? Yeah. Isn't he? When, when is that coming? When is that coming? I know you got to have something in the works. Pop Smurf, hey. Stay oh. tuned. That's all I can say. Oh, see, I saw him holding out. There. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just stay tuned. That's all. It's, it's coming. Oh, okay. Okay. So that sounds like he's got something in the The Smurfs work. are getting together. We're, <laughs> all getting together. we're gonna do something. All the Smurfs. All the Smurfs. Oh, okay. All right. So we're gonna look out for that because that's just so smooth. But that's what we're doing. We're rising to the top. I mean, you know, I I, I feel a, uh, there's a shift. There's something in the air. There's something that's happening, you know. And, and so we, it's so easy for us to just say, yeah. okay, this needs to happen. And yeah. think you snap your finger and yeah. it happens. But it happens through generations, yeah. you know. It happens through each one of us um, moving and rising till we get to the top, Absolutely. you know. Yeah. But I think sometimes we want to be the one that sees the you know, that looks over the mountain. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like Martin Luther King says, he doesn't have to be there. He knows we, yeah. we're, we're getting there, yeah. you know. And so you have to just have that faith and you just have to keep moving, Yeah, you know. But doing things that would really sidetrack you and, um, and uh, really cause issues and set you back is probably not 
where we want to go. Yeah, there's reasons to be anger, angry, mm-hmm. but there's reasons not to work out of anger. Right. Right. So we have to be smart. Uh, we have to make sure that we are doing things that help forward us and move us forward and not do things just because we just are so fed up. Right. Uh, we can never leave, give up hope um, to whereas we're doing things that doesn't move the ball forward. Yeah, and just out of a uh, reaction, being Absolutely. reactionary yeah. instead of proactive yeah. Yeah. and staying focused and staying yeah. on, on your on your track, which is one of the things that, that become an issue when we are reactionary, especially when you're talking about police mm-hmm. uh, interaction, reactionary, not thinking and, mm-hmm. and living through mm-hmm. the engagement mm-hmm. okay by making uh, a, a choice to say staying on your staying mm-hmm. in your lane and knowing what your objective Absolutely. is and not allowing yourself to be moved by what the other person does mm-hmm. you know so yeah one more first so let's talk about this is our last hour and mm-hmm. I know we're just going to kind of wrap up here mm-hmm. what we've been discussing for, by the way thank you so much giving you time because I no know problem. you had a long day yeah, and you just uh, yeah. hung in here I know I look beat up yeah. <laughs> no 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 yeah. you look fine you look, 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 you, look uh, you look fine so yeah. hey um, yeah. it's a long it's a long day yeah. um, and uh, I just wanted to talk about what is on the horizon yeah. And we have to uh, keep in mind that you don't deal directly with the people, what with the yeah. laws and the policies yeah. that making those mm-hmm. changes. And I know earlier you were talking about you have to talk to people. Is there a specific group of people that you that you speak to? Is this like going to Capitol Hill or yeah. is well, where is the conversation? Yeah. yeah. So most of the criminal law is done at the state level. So you think about the federal crimes, you think about state crimes. You know, 80% of folks that are in prison or are on community corrections, probation, or parole are there at the state level. So many times when we're trying to change laws, we're going to Springfield to try to change laws, or we're talking to people uh, in state government to get them to change their their policies and practices. So we are, I think, are focusing in on three specific issues uh, this, you know, legislative session. Um, the first thing that we want to get done, and it's going to take a lot of effort, a lot of time, a lot of work, a lot of togetherness, is, is that we want to end cash bond. Yes. Um, that's that's a huge deal, so a lot of people are yeah, on that. It's mm-hmm. an absolutely huge deal. A lot of people talk about it. Mm-hmm. We now need to see people being about it. Well, what are the what are the options? Okay, if it isn't cash bond, what are the options? Yeah, so what we say is that, uh, you know, a judge should make a decision about whether somebody is in or out. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the key things is we want to get rid of cash bond and just there be more people in jail. Mm-hmm. Um, we, But we want to say, we want to create a system in which a judge has to make specific findings mm-hmm. based on the Constitution, um, based upon somebody's risk to come back to court or, or risk to you know commit another injury, um, have the judge make the decision. So, but basically, yes or no. Mm-hmm. Um, either you're in or you're out. Mm-hmm. And we also have to remember that, you know, when people are accused of crimes, um, that doesn't mean they're automatically guilty. Right. Um, so, you know, that's our big issue, getting rid of cash bond. Um, and, you know, there's a criminal justice aspect of it, but there's also the economic justice as- aspect of it. You know, Chicagoans, lots of them in very, very, very underserved communities are paying millions of dollars, mm-hmm. literally millions of dollars to the government to get their people free. 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, if you go out to 26 in California and you look at the line of people that are bonding people out, you realize that this is an economic and gender situation. That's what I was going to ask, that if you eliminate the cash bond, because, again, Mm -hmm. as I said earlier, that crime does pay, and Mm -hmm. some folks are out Mm -hmm. here getting seriously paid Mm -hmm. behind the prison system. So when you eliminate the cash bond, what does that, who gets kicked out of getting paid off? Yeah, so I think that, you know, one of the things that we know is that the justice system local justice systems at the county level somehow depend upon those funds. Mm-hmm. Um, so it may be, you know, the state government giving county government a little bit of money for that. Mm-hmm. But with that said, we have billion-dollar budgets. Mm-hmm. So at a certain point, we need to start thinking about, as we're lowering the prison population, budgets are going to have to go down. Mm-hmm. Cuts will have to be made, and we're mm-hmm. already seeing those now. So we can't just be having... Uh, we can't just have um, you know you know black mothers, black sisters, black partners paying these bonds. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 we have to do something different, and we really think that that is an issue that needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're hoping to do it. So do you see that happening anywhere in the near future? Yeah, we hope to get it done in the next year. I mean, a lot of people think it's like this kind of pie-in-the-sky idea, Mm -hmm. but, you know, the federal system, you know, if you're charged federally, there isn't really any cash in that system, Mm -hmm. right? Judges make a decision whether you're in or out. The juvenile system, you know, when we're talking about kids, there's no cash in that situation Mm -hmm. as well. And there are the District of Columbia has been uh, using, uh, has not had cash bond since the 60s. -hmm. Uh, New Jersey just ended there. So there are a lot of states that don't already have. So so Mm -hmm. we need to... We need to move toward there, and I, I think that we have a governor uh, that is interested in it and mm-hmm. a lieutenant governor that's interested in it, mm-hmm. and we're going to push that through. That's our goal. So just so that I'm, I'm clear also is that when you talk about not having a cash bond, does it mean that that person goes home? They may yeah. still go yeah. and have to go yeah. to jail and wait for their yeah, so let child. Me t- but yeah, mm-hmm. so let me take a step back. Let okay. me just go over the situation. So when a person is in arrested, they go in front of a bond court judge. And that bond court judge will make a decision about what should happen to them while the case proceeds, mm-hmm. right? So once there's a trial or once there's a plea or once the case is thrown out, then that person is free. And once there's a guilty conviction, then the judge will make a decision about what happens to them. But in that time before, uh, a judge needs to make a decision about what there happened to them. Mm-hmm. And what we say, and, and there are kind of three outcomes. The first outcome is a judge saying, hey, um, you need to come back to court, and we're going to do that on your own signature, mm-hmm. um, on your own word. The, another thing that a judge can do is say, hey, you're way too risky. I'm going to keep you in jail until the case is over. And what we're doing is targeting that third issue. And what that third issue is kind of in, in between. A judge is saying, hey, you are eligible to be released. You can be released, but you need to pay the government some money <laughs> to get that freedom. Right, right. right? So mm-hmm. it's not a judge saying that person should stay in jail. Mm-hmm. It's a judge saying that, well, we want to cut. Right. And like, we're going we're gonna to cut you loose, but you're going to pay yeah. us for cutting you loose. So what right. we're saying is that mm-hmm. that doesn't make any sense. Right. If a judge right. is going to make a decision, then the judge needs to make that decision. But to rely on somebody's economics to determine whether somebody's in jail uh, just doesn't make sense, and especially doesn't make sense given that we're in a situation now where the vast majority of people who are in the criminal justice system are poor. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. right and they come from poor families mm -hmm. so using money as a barometer to determine whether you're free or not when everybody you're dealing with or the vast majority of people you're dealing with are poor just doesn't make sense mm. well i hope to see that in yeah. the, in the near future because that makes complete sense yeah. and it also then eliminates a lot of problems that kind of kick off from yeah. that yeah mm -hmm. yeah right yeah as you, as, as you may know um once a person is in jail once they're stuck in jail uh, they are more likely to plead guilty, and they're more likely to serve longer prison sentences mm -hmm. than people with the same background and same charges. Mm -hmm. So what we do a lot is we force people to plead guilty. Mm -hmm. You know, you know. Again, I'm not going to act here like you know there's no crime and there's right. no bad thing. Like no one did right. anything. Right. right. But right. with that said, we have a system that truly forces people. Um, to not have their day in court. Mm -hmm. And part of that is a cash bond system forcing people in jail and people basically pleading to anything and everything to get a cheaper right. deal because right. of mandatory minimums or, you know, get probation. And that's not helping anybody. Right. That's not helping the community, even a community that's been victimized, right? You know, just having somebody plead or whatever uh, it's not helping the community. It's not helping victims. It's not helping people accused of right. crime. And it's not helping It just taxpayers. makes money. It just makes yeah. for whoever's collecting these and, dollars. Right. It just and what we're paying for, right? right. Taxpayers are paying for right. it, right? So, uh, and, ev and everything else that falls off of the wagon because absolutely. of that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So that's our number one priority. We want to end the uh, cash bond. Okay. Um, uh, you know, we're also looking at an issue called changing some of our sentencing laws along drugs. Okay. So we've talked a little bit about marijuana, uh, but what we also uh, know is that possession of any types of drugs uh, is a felony. Mm -hmm. And while we are certainly not saying that people should go out and use drugs as much as they can, right. what we know is for people with small, um, uh, who possess a small amount of drugs, a felony is not helping their lives. Right. Right? So we believe that judges should have the option to give these folks misdemeanors mm -hmm. because when you give a person who possesses drugs, whether they um, are going through addiction or whether they're using recreation, recreationally, mm -hmm. giving them a felony actually makes their life worse. Right. Right? So if they're going through it and they're treating a condition well, giving them a felony doesn't help things. And, and just heaping more yes. issues. And, and as a society, we Absolutely. have to, not just as that individual, but what are we creating and what are we pushing out there in a society? Yeah, so we, what we say is that um, we shouldn't be just making, again, what we were talking about before, there are so many people with criminal records mm -hmm. and the, the collateral consequences for those criminal records are so great. Mm -hmm. um, and it takes a real special person um, to get through that. Um, or a person with a special will, right? Mm -hmm. Lots of people can get through it, right. but it takes a special will. Absolutely. Um, it's, and mm -hmm. it takes opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, so what we're saying is giving those people felonies is not what you should be doing. You should be giving folks treatment. Right. You should give people access to treatment. That's what we should access be focusing on. Access and opportunity. Yes. You're not going to solve uh, drug problems through the criminal justice system. Mm -hmm. You're going to solve you know, drug issues through the health system. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you know, that's one of the things we're working on as well. Well, that's well, that's excellent. Thank yeah. you. You know, thank you so much. So, how can we get involved? Do do would would we get involved with the uh, justice project, or mm -hmm. how can you know? Yeah, well, the community I, I, get I think the, the one of the ways the community can get involved is that they uh, can uh, call their legislators and mm -hmm. say, "Hey, 
we want you to end cash bond and uh, we need you to support uh, a bill and that mm -hmm. bill is house bill 3347 3347 house bill 3347 so listeners you hear that so when instead of super gluing yeah, cars yeah. and yeah. uh burning down the house we yeah. just want to pick up the phone pick up the phone and say support mm -hmm. the equal justice for all bill mm -hmm. and that's um, the house bill because i want to promote that the yeah. house bill 3347 3347 and you need up. to figure out who your state legislators are right mm -hmm. those are your state legislators so you have a state representative uh, in the House of Representatives, and you have a state senator. Mm -hmm. So you need to figure out who those folks are. Those are the folks that control the vast majority of criminal justice laws that affect you and your family. Mm -hmm. And you need to say, hey, I'm, I'm ready to get rid of cash bond. Mm -hmm. I'm sick of black Chicagoans and black Cook County residents paying millions of dollars mm -hmm. to get their people free. Mm -hmm. And I'm ready for this money to be spent in communities instead of us putting money uh, into the system. So I would love it if your your listeners did that. It would be very helpful. They don't need to call me because I don't make the decisions. Right, you right. <laughs> you out there pressing too. Yeah, <laughs> I'm out there pressing too. And it, yeah. and it, and it helps when you have these uh, these calls that mm -hmm. come in that help to support mm -hmm. so that yeah. they know by the time you show up, mm -hmm. they already know it makes that they're getting calls. It makes it say. so much easier for yeah. me. Um, so... Uh, that's what legislators listen to, right? They, mm -hmm. they, they are good people, um, but they have a lot to do. Right. Um, and it's, you know, you got to deal with criminal law, and you got to deal with taxes, and you got to deal with pensions, and mm -hmm. you got to deal with anything and, and like everything. And like they say, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. The squeaky you wheel know? gets the grease. So the make, those, gets the make those phone calls. Make yeah. those phone calls to you, uh, your state senator. You said your state senator. And state, and and state representative. And your state representative. And that's the HB... Three three four seven, and that's for the cash. Is that the yeah, cash equal, bond? Equal justice for all, Bill. Equal justice for all. There you go. Okay. Alrighty. Thank you so much. I so appreciate you coming out here tonight and talking to us about this. This really wraps up our whole month about the yeah. prison system. I had a and, great time, and and we absolutely enjoyed you. So um, we will definitely have you back because we're going to continue to talk about this because this is a continuation of a lot of what's already going on out there. And, you know, we're just kind of getting that trickle down, mm. but we get the most of it because it keeps raining mm -hmm. on us yeah. all the time. Yeah. And so to change things, yes, while it's you, you will get angry, you'll get upset because you see it and you see it all the time. Sometimes it's close to home, so it could be very frustrating, but mm. we still have to be able to rise above and operate within the system while all of this is happening. So again, uh, attorney Sharon Mitchell, with the Illinois Justice Project. Thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you so much, and I'm going to hope that I can get in my car. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Ron, I think Ron is a little ways away. <laughs> but you better hurry, because it's no telling. <laughs> but we're going to take a break. We're going to find out if he can get in his car, and we will be right back. <laughs> the Talk of Chicago, 1690 WVON.
When I saw it in person, mm-hmm. oh. 50 Cent. I was like, I saw him in person and I was utterly shocked. Really? I was utterly shocked because I've never been impressed with 50 Cent. But so, so what shocked Well, he was. It was totally opposite of what his. I, I, I was uh, totally. I, was to, I can honestly say that I saw him and I thought, oh my God. Who is that? Right. You know, no, he's. Just, I think he's more. He's more in person than okay. he ever is on 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 the TV screen. Let me just leave it like that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, so we are coming up on the last half hour. Thank you for um, staying with us. You know, oh, you're welcome. You know, I'm here. I'm here until six a.m. I'm here. I appreciate. That's right. You know, you come in at midnight and uh, just put on all of that. I think you just prep for it with my show. You kind of prep and move into it because it's just so smooth. It's so nice. And so, you know, if you stay up till 6 a.m. and just listen to the smooth groove, I'm sure, I'm sure it's I'm just... I'm sure you'll find something that you can ab- Absolutely. So I really enjoyed, um, from the standpoint of information this month, um, well, every month. I enjoy every month. But especially this month because... Uh, 
the issue of our prison system and just some of what we see in law enforcement and you know we can really get inundated with uh with the engagement of uh, blacks and police and when you talk about who populates the prison system and a lot of what's going on, you know, it is overwhelming. So, you know, when you talk to people like Eric and Ron and, and you know the frustration and the aggravation, you know, it's real. You know? Yes, it's real. It's definitely real. It's real. But unfortunately, because of where we sit in the dy- dynamic of this country, we have to also be smart. You know, and so I thought that was I did not know that, um, you know, this is your story. And uh, and there's probably a lot of people who this is their story. There are so many people that have this story. You know, but what do you say when you have folks who have uh, done time and they come out and instead of moving forward, it really becomes stagnant for for them? Well, the only thing you can say is, well, you can get cliche answers. I mean, you can give. I can give cliche advice, but that's just not me. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to be 100% honest with everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to this, this is not the typical story. This is not. I mean, uh, you mean your story? My story is not the typical story, right. but but it is the story of a lot of people in right. this country, right. uh, in this city. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you come across something like that, the only thing you can do is find yourself a support base mm-hmm. uh, that will be able to let you vent, will be able to let you uh, get it off of you, uh, that will not judge you, or, uh, and, and let you just talk it out. Right. Um, uh, you don't want cliche answers. Well, you know, you got to keep trying. You get down. You and the man, the man is going to hold you down. And the opportunistic regime of the white man always keeps a foot on the brother's neck. You hear all that all <laughs> right, of the time. Right, right. But it's not, it's not them. Right. It's not. And not only that, at the end of the day, you still have to buy a loaf of bread and you, you still you have still to put have some food on the table. And, and you, so you still have to function within that system. So you're going to hustle for as hard, for as long as you can, mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. for as long as you can. If if all you can do is hustle, mm-hmm. then be the best hustler out there. Right. But just don't necessarily do anything that's going to get you caught up in the system it, again. Illegal. Now, see, I, I like your point when you mentioned about volunteering because, you know, folks step out and they figure, OK, you how do you volunteer? But then again, you had a bit of a support system by being in your parents' home. Right. You know, so you have folks who don't have that available, readily available oh, to no. them. But, you uh, know. No, it wasn't. Av- it wasn't. It's not available to everyone. But, um, right. yeah, uh, su- uh, support uh, another person's cause mm-hmm. if you can. Right. You know, there are plenty of people out here that will let you uh, the Urban League, Safer Foundation. There's a lot of other uh, groups out here. Uh, Haymarket, I think Haymarket still does it in mm-hmm. once in a while, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, that will allow you to come in and volunteer and not necessarily do anything great. Right. My my thing was I was preparing resumes for other people who were convicted of crimes that they could, so they can get jobs. Wow! So I was actually helping other people mm-hmm. get work. But that would in and of itself help you in yeah, terms of the because, resume building. Because and- right, because I I got to understand what to say when someone. Someone in an interview says to you, so right. you've been convicted of a felony, so uh, tell me about it. Right. And what are you going to say in an interview? Right. You know, so right. uh, so I see that you uh, convict, uh, check the box that says, yes, I've been convicted of a crime. Can you explain what that means exactly? Right. Uh, and what are you going to say? So right. we, we've trained individuals on what to say and how to uh, actually mm-hmm. go through the, that process. So 
Yeah, I mean, that was the best, volunt- that was probably the best year, two years of my life. I volunteered hard mm-hmm. for them, mm-hmm. and it actually got me together in the process. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that's what I would tell and you. Have to, and you have to remember that part of that giving back, and sometimes when you think in terms of giving back, you think that it's just giving to someone else when in actuality you are receiving, uh, but you're also paying the cost uh, for receiving that um, access and you can't underscore what it means to volunteer and to make the connections and meeting the people and the relationships Mm -hmm. and if you position yourself uh, to understand the benefits of doing that and it's not just going to volunteer it's just living your life in that manner whether you're going to the grocery store hopefully, because you have a few dollars, so you go into the store, wherever you are, you'd be surprised that just standing at the bus stop sometimes who you're talking to. You never know who you're speaking to who's going to make that connection for you when you show yourself ready and open and available. So, so yeah, this is, this is you know, it's, it's so important because it's such a huge epidemic, and you can't um, minimize even the cultural aspect of... Um, of being uh, looked at in a certain way and being able to overcome those, um, what do you call them, those stereotypes. So well, that, mm-hmm. Yeah, there are stereotypes that you can't overcome. Right. Uh, but there are also things that you can do while they are, even if there are stereotypes that are against you, and people will judge, people will, uh, uh, will be prejudiced against you, for something that they have absolutely no idea who you are right, as a person. Right, They right. just see the one thing that's on an application. And they don't know what you've come through, Correct. what you deal with. Correct. Mm-hmm. And so we just have to be open. So so anyway, this, this month has truly, truly been an eye-opener. It's not to say that, that, you know, anyone said anything in specific that was just, just grandiose and this is so brand new. But I think when you... It's what I enjoy about doing a whole month of a topic because it allows me to really explore it from different points of view, from different businesses and different people to then be able to bring it together and make more sense about it. So one of the things is to get away from the flippant answers, the stereotypes and that sort of things or or, um, what do you call it, the one word answers. And, you know, you go and you have a conversation and everybody's saying the same thing. We have to get to a point where we are able to really, again, dissect it, really look at it and then put it together piece by piece. Kind of what I was talking about reading this book, um, Solitary. I could sit down and I could just read this book, but I wanted to read a little bit, digest it. Right and meditate on it because this is a man who spent 44 years in solitary confinement. You know, when I was at the book signing and he told his story and, you know, there were little quips and, you know, places where you can kind of giggle and laugh, but it's no joke. If you figure 44 years of sitting in a six by nine cell, um, 23 hours of a day, you're locked up only one hour free how do you do that? How do you do that and then still come out with a disposition that's ready to be a productive citizen? You know, and so what I loved about 
the beginning of the book is where he talks about his responsibility in it. It was, yes, you understand as a black man in growing up in the 40s that you were susceptible to be in prison anyway, but he also talked about what he did and how he understood it and his responsibility in it. And I think that's what a lot of it is when you begin to look at yourself and say, okay, what is my accountability? And as you mentioned, having a strategy to navigate through to where you look to go and ultimately be. So if anything, um, again, just the combination of Ms. Uh, Prior uh, with Schiller and Prior Law Office, thank you so much. I know I'm going to engage in the trial and triumph game. Oh, and uh, attorney... Uh, Sharon got away because we were talking during the break and he's actually uh, has, has is familiar with her and has uh, and, and familiar with the game. So I think that that's, that would be tremendous. That's a tremendous learning tool. And uh, last week where we had LaShawn Jackson and the Innovations High School, I love the fact the arts and the work that they do with the young children because that's where it's going to start. That's where it's going to start to be able to not start because it's been I, I don't like saying it starts with young people because it does trickle down. But there there becomes a different uh, uh, what do you call it momentum with each generation. And so if we can cultivate that and begin and continue to feed that, then, you know, they come along. And the next thing you know, you know, we keep rising to the top. Keep rising. That's what that's ex- that's what I'm looking forward to. So, again. Um, I hope that uh, this month, September, has brought you uh, information that you can use and that you can pass on, and hopefully we can continue to pass on to these young people. I want to see less and less videos. I want to see less and less young people being picked up. I want to see less and less grown folks behind bars, and this cash bail has got to be a life changer. Well, you'll you'll see that once everything becomes legal. Once yeah. once the vices that lock us up become legal, mm-hmm. then you'll see those changes. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, that's going to be part of the problem. It's, we're, it's, it's ironic that uh, a country that criminalized us for so long mm-hmm. that they're banking on it now to bail them out. Right. So uh, because they know that it's lucrative, number one. Mm-hmm. And number two, there's just way it, it costs the country way too much money. Mm-hmm. to lock someone up to try them for something that is so relatively small. I'm talking small amounts of, of possession, not right. necessarily the, the major crimes, but the, the small amounts of, of possession, it costs the country money to put them into a trial, um, to, to take them to court. But see, that's where, but see, that's where I think that that's where the, the money that's being made is what has been the motivating factor. But I think it's costing in human collateral yeah. is what's costing for us to have to turn around and look because folks making money building prisons and uh, uh, and locking folks up when yeah, you look are. at yeah so so the money in terms of the revenue is you know for those on the other side of the fence who are making this money is beneficial but what's happening is when you're looking at the human collateral and what's happening to us as a country, right. you have to stop and say, okay, this is not working. Yeah, well, that's the, that's, again, that's the irony uh, that's involved there. Yeah. That, uh, the, you look for a country that has been uh, equipped or prepared to, uh, to penalize you for something mm-hmm. that they are now going to profit 
Isn't that isn't that crazy? That's the crazy thing. So I we'll see. Maybe there'll be utopia <laughs> January the first. Maybe we'll live in utopia. Is that one that's supposed to? It's supposed to be January first. So so Kim Fox is busy right now trying to get everyone uh, processed at least uh, through uh, what she, what did she say? Uh, Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I think uh, the letters will be going out to individuals. Uh, come Thanksgiving, uh, close to Christmas, mm-hmm. uh, because they want to get those people processed out. If you are, uh, if it's expungible, they want to try to help you with that. But mm-hmm. at least those people who are locked up, or at least have cases pending for those things, they want to get all that stuff out. Because come January, they want to work with a clean slate, so they want to mm-hmm. get everybody out. Right now, they say it's roughly about forty percent of the people who are in jail right now mm. are going through this very uh, this very situation right here right now. So that's a lot of people, and that's a lot of folks coming back into the population. Correct, mm. correct. Mm. So 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 yeah. Well, isn't it? it's um it's 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 quite a bit, but you know something we have to start somewhere. And we have to begin to make it right from somewhere. And I don't think any one time is the best time. The best time is now. And so that's what we're that's what we're looking at. So the politics of the American prison system and the institutions that support our, this industrious prison pipeline is what we have been talking about this September. So I thank you for y- your contributions, those who have called in, made the comments, and engaged in conversation. And um, let's look for you know, what's going to happen coming the new year with some of the changes. And uh, again, culturally, uh, looking at some of those changes that um, that will help to, help to propel us forward. So we are excited about that. So October, October, what do we have for October? So October, we're going to get into the political scene. Uh, and so we know that things are heating up. It's getting hot. It's heating up. So we will have uh, a list of guests for you, and we hope that you tune in, join in. And we're going to begin to look at this uh, presidential campaign. And I don't know. It, it So far it seems like it's been a bit of a circus. I, I, I hope that the Democrats start winding down these, what, God 50? God help us all. <laughs> <laughs> these these fifty candidates. I really am. The, I really wanted to stay far away from it because I, you know, I look at it and I stay abreast to it. I don't take a whole lot of it in because right now it's just such a mess. Um, but you know, I think as the presidential campaign winds down, that it's be very difficult to to stay. Um, away from it. So so we're going to uh, talk about it, but we're going to talk about it from the standpoint of, number one, who is running, what they're bringing to the table, and what are some of the things that we need to do ourselves to become involved. So we have to, we have to be involved more than just uh, analyzing and talking about them and, and those sort of things. We have to really, just as in the HB 3347, uh, the equal you know, equal justice, we have to pick up and call our state senator and say, hey, you want to get rid of the cash bill. So so let's get involved. And um, I thank you so much for tuning in to The Late Shift. We'll be back next week with another program, uh, again, um, political. And call us if you have ideas. You know, we want to cover what it is that that uh, that interests you, but also from the standpoint of also 
getting involved, participating, and just joining in to just make the place a uh, better pace. We'll take a we'll take a small break. We'll be back, and we'll just wrap up for the night. Thank you so much. Find us on Facebook and like us. Search WVON sixteen ninety AM, the Talk of Chicago. You become eligible for special benefits. Think of us as your special friend with benefits. We're your hookup. 1690 WVON. So much for that one that and that and that is so key you got to keep your head to the sky you just have to keep looking up and keep it moving and that's what we're going to keep doing and we're going to move right on into the midnight hour we're taking you right up to midnight not over midnight because that's when b-side b-side with papa smurf till what 6 a.m boy you've got until 5 a.m 5 a.m 5 a.m <laughs> so don't the, give you another hour well, right? <laughs> well you can i'll be here but the, the best of wvom will be at 5 a.m and then we'll start with the morning show at six. all right then and i thank you so much and i thank my listeners well this september 2019 is in the bag and we are looking for October, and we just have, what, two more months until the holidays begin and Less the rush begins? Less than 100 days before Christmas. So, uh, wow. Yeah. I keep saying that I'm going to go and do my shopping 
and then this way I don't have to worry. But you know what happens? You're always in the store the day before Christmas getting those last things. I but can't even put my, my brown on. I had to get my Christmas red ready. <laughs> I got my Thanksgiving <laughs> well, brown and orange. Brown. Oh, okay, right, I, right, right. I got my brown and orange ready for fall. Now I'm already being inundated with red and green. And you know what? It, it used to be that you could at least go in the store and enjoy the holiday. But when you, it, with, it, you're looking at one holiday, but the stuff in the store is for the next holiday. Exactly. It's like you just can't even enjoy it. So. Valentine's Day at Walgreens coming up in about next about another. <laughs> you said Valentine's Day at Walgreens. <laughs> yeah. what? You know they'll have the Valentine's Day cards ready. <laughs> well, for yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah, you know, but you might want to just sit down and make your own little love letter, your own little poem, make it original. I did that. You did. I did that. Oh my! Of course, I gave it the first lady, and then of course I put it on social media as well. So uh, yeah. Oh, I have to go look for it. Follow to see me as what well. You, you know, follow me at uh, at Delvin Restored. It, uh, Delvin Restored. That's right, Delvin Restored. Okay, all uh, right. You can follow me there. You can find me in there everywhere. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. I don't have Facebook YouTube, anymore. Wow. Okay. All of it is Delvin Restored and my website, DelvinRestored.com. So, yeah, okay, go. well, we're going to have to check you out. I'm going to have to look for that love letter, see what it is that you wrote. To see Ooh, if it was nice. See if it was oh. quality. Oh, it's not. Okay, all right. Well, we love it, and we thank you. We thank you. So the B-side is coming up. And thank you to Terrence Johnson, as always, uh, guest coordinator, bringing great guests on the late shift. So look for more great guests coming October, and we're going to be talking all politics, politics all day. Well, not all day, but between 9 and 12 um, on the late shift. So thank you again for listening, for hanging in there. I know it could be a long day, uh, but I absolutely thank you and enjoy your company. And until next week. You keep your head to the sky. And I know that's not what's coming up, but whatever's coming up, I know Papa Snurf got it covered. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. Until next Thursday at 9 p.m., this is The Late Shift. Take care.